It was a Saturday morning. I remember 8 a.m., college campus, dorm room. <clears throat> I woke, knocking on my door. Nobody around, just me. Woke up, quickly realized I was covered in blood and vomit. And I thought, is this what my life has become? So I got up the best I could, dried myself off, cleaned myself up, and opened the door. There were two people there, and if you've never been on a college campus on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m., there's not a lot going on. And the two people that were standing there would literally change the course of my life from the way it was going to where it is now. I would say that that moment single-handedly changed my story, almost like you change as you're reading from one chapter to the next. The two people that were there were two people that I never expected ever to see again. I had met them previously, but I never expected to see them again standing at my door. And what they would say would literally change my life. Let me back up and tell you how I got to that point. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Anybody ever been to Milwaukee? All right, good. I feel at home now. Good, good. I had a great family. I had parents that loved me. I have two younger sisters. We, we didn't have a lot. We, we weren't poor, we weren't rich, we were kinda in the middle, and my family, they did, a, they did great with what they had. And about the time that I was in sixth grade, we, we were sheltered. I mean, we, we had some freedoms, but we didn't have a lot. I, I couldn't stay out past eight. To be in, I had to be inside. I mean, there was a lot of rules that we had. And when I got into sixth grade, something changed. I, I found two friends, Rob and Jeff. Okay, Rob was Puerto Rican. Jeff was white, but he thought he was Puerto Rican. Okay? <laughs> so Jeff always kind of had this funny, he, he talked with an accent. He tried to. It was funny. But these guys were not like me. They didn't grow up like I grew up. They had a lot of freedom. Both came from broken homes. Both did not have dads in their homes. Both were being raised by their moms, and their moms were usually not around. So they could do a lot more than I could do. And so when we started hanging around, I started saying, well, I know my mom said I gotta be home at this time, but I'm gonna push it a little bit. I'm just gonna push it just a little bit, right? It's not really breaking the rules if you come home just a little bit late once. Well, you know just like I do, when you do that once, you wanna keep doing it. You wanna keep, there's always an excuse, right? Son, why weren't you home when we told you to be? Well, I was, but here's what had happened. I was crossing the street. A lady was falling. I had to help her. It, I was a hero. I was the hero. And then it goes, and you're, you're late again, and they ask you again, and suddenly you run out of excuses. And then what? You get grounded, right? So I'd get grounded, and I would sneak out, and I would sneak out. And I quickly realized that these friends were different in the fact that they did some things that I didn't do. Okay, number one, they smoked cigarettes. I thought, man, okay, my dad smoked, so I, I thought, okay, my dad smokes and these guys smoke, I'll smoke. I didn't even like it, that was the thing. It was disgusting, okay, I, I can't stand smoking. But I did it to fit in with them. I so desperately wanted to be needed and to be loved by other people my age that I did it just to fit in. And there's probably some of you in the room today that you have done something just like that. Got in with a crowd of people just because you wanted to be 
love, wanted to fit in, and you've done things that you wouldn't normally do. Well, you know when you start living like that, it doesn't, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. And so cigarettes quickly turned into weed, and, and we would smoke weed. The, the, the crazy thing, and I have a daughter now, and the crazy thing is that if my kids ever did drugs, I don't know what I would do, but we would do drugs with Rob's mom. She would get us drugs. How many of you are in sixth grade? Raise your hand. Okay. That's how old I was. I was you when I started doing that. Okay. And that escalates. When you use drugs, that doesn't get better. That escalates. That only gets worse. And so a little marijuana, a little weed, a joint here and there quickly turned into cocaine. How many of you are in seventh grade? I was your age the first time I tried cocaine. I was in seventh grade. When you start living a life like that, what happens is you need money to buy drugs. Seventh graders can't get jobs. And so what did I start to do? I started doing what my friends did. We would rob people, we would steal stuff, we would sell stuff. And two of my cousins said, hey look, we got these neighbors, we know they're out of town, they're older. We think we can break in their house and we think we can get a lot of stuff and sell it. I said, I'm down, let's do it. We broke in their house, we stole over $50,000 worth of stuff from their home. These were retired people, they were on vacation, we were quickly caught. I had been arrested several times prior to this already. And we were caught, tried to lie, tried to do this. They had my fingerprints. I, there was no getting out of it. I said, okay, I'm guilty. And I thought, look, get a fine, move back. You know, what? And they said, uh, buddy, this isn't how this happens. See, in the state of Wisconsin, at the age of 11, you can be charged as an adult for a crime if it's a felony. This was a felony, $5,000 plus, it was a felony. They said, we're giving you the book, we're throwing the book at you, you are now a convicted felon, and I was looking at from seven to 17 years in prison. I was in seventh grade. I would have went into a juvenile detention facility where I would have stayed until I was 18, and then I would have been shipped into the prison system where I would have served my time. Talk about a loser of a life. I was the lowest that you could get. My life was over. And out of nowhere, I had a guy that came and said, look, we, we, we see a future in you. We, we want you to succeed. We, we think you're better than this. We're gonna try to keep you out of prison. And I went on to house arrest. And I was on probation until I was 21 years old. What that means is I couldn't leave the state of Wisconsin. What that means is I couldn't own a gun. I couldn't hunt. What that means is at any time, they could call me, they could come and find me and drug test me. They could call me and know exactly where I was. That's what my life became. Seventh grade, seventh grade. I thought there's gotta be something better. There's gotta be something better. And you think I would learn, you think after facing something like that, which by the way, a felony doesn't go away, guys. Misdemeanors, stuff like go away. Felonies don't go away. So when I apply for jobs, like when I had to apply to come to this church to work here, I had to tell them that. Do you know how embarrassing that is? Do you know how low that makes me feel when I have to tell people that I did that kind of stuff? And some of you here, you, 
You've probably done stuff like that, maybe not to that degree, but you know what it's like to feel that way. And I quickly realized, man, I have to get my life on track. I have to start changing. I have to start doing something. And so they said, look, we'll let you into junior high, but you got one chance, one chance. I lasted three weeks, three weeks. Was expelled, had a, uh, gotten an argument with a teacher who was over 70 years old. I pushed him down. I was, a, I was arrested again for assault and I was expelled from the school system. I just never learned. I just never learned. I could never get it together. I don't know if you've ever felt like that where you just feel like you're doing one bad thing after another bad thing and you're just trying so hard to get it together but you can't. That's how I felt. And so I had to go to alternative school. They called it special school. We rode a little bus and we get there and the police were waiting for us and they would search us when we went into school. And then when we came out, they would search us again because they knew we would steal anything we could. And I had to stay there. And those teachers there were tough. They, they weren't like your, your mom and pop teachers. I mean, they were tough chicks. These ladies were tough. I didn't, you know how bad it was? I didn't even have a GPA. I asked one time, hey, what's my grade point average? And Miss Delaney just started laughing. I thought, well, is it that bad? She goes, you don't have one. Your grades are that bad, you actually don't have a GPA. So we got to work, got to work. Put my work in, did it, got it, got to eighth grade, got through no trouble with the law, no trouble with school, that's pretty good. One year without any trouble with the law for me at that point was a big celebration. A C on a report card was, man, we're going to McDonald's, you get to pick whatever you want, this is good news for you. And so I got into high school. I got back into high school. They reinstated me into the school district. And three weeks later, I get in a fight on the bus. And they're like, man, you're gone. You're out. No more chance. And I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging. And they say, okay, we'll give you one chance. You can come back in 10th grade if you pass 9th grade. I was suspended out of school more in 9th grade than I was actually in school. My police rap sheet when I was in ninth grade, we, we put it out on the floor. They did this to show me how bad I was. It was over 11 feet long. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You don't, you don't want your life to look like that. You don't want your life to account to something like that. But it was who I was. And then, hey, 10th grade came, and it was like everything changed. It was like I woke up. It's like, man, this is your future. You have to do something here because if you don't get through high school, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna get into college? How are you gonna get a job? The choices that you make right now as a young person will have a huge effect on you way beyond where you are right now. I didn't realize that. I wish I would've, I didn't. So man, I make it through 10th grade, I make it through 11th grade, I get to senior year, I'm, I'm, I'm a new person. Boom. You know what they even did senior year? Student class president right here. Can you imagine that? I was the student class president. It was like the biggest joke ever. But my life had changed. Joined the football team, played basketball, ran track, ran cross country, was the captain of our cross country team. We won state, we were all these newspapers, all these things, and by all accounts, my life looked like it had changed. But the secret was it was all outside. Because inside, I still felt dead. And I think a lot of you probably go through that. 
but we cover it, right? We cover it with grades and with, with activities and things and accomplishments. And that's what I was doing. It even got me into college. I got into college to run. I didn't even want to go to college. I thought, I got through high school. I could barely get through high school. Now I'm in college. And it went okay. It went okay. Had a good girlfriend at the time, was in a, a pretty serious relationship at the time. Things were going really well. My family was good. I hadn't used drugs in a long time. Okay, just stopped. Stopped doing it. Was still drinking quite a bit still doing things, but I chalked it up to normal college life. I thought, this is what college is. Come on, give me a break. This is what college is. And things were going great. And then everything changed. Get a phone call from my dad. <clears throat> he says, son, look, your mom and I, it's just, it's just not gonna work. Now, I had a lot of friends that had divorced parents, but mine were not supposed to divorce. And my dad was crying, and he said, we're, we're done. We're, we're getting a divorce. And it, it just tore me up. So I call the girl I was dating, and I'm talking, and she's being real shady. You, you know, like when you're in a relationship and people are acting shady, you know. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what's going on with you? And so I said, Let, let's just talk. Year and a half dating. Go to my friend Dave. I said, look, man, she's acting shady. What should I do? He said, get rid of her, man. You need to break up with her. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to break up with her. So I do. Broke up with her. A week later, I find out that her and Dave had been sleeping together for the past six months. So my parents divorced. The, the person that I felt closest and most secure to, this girl, now has just, has just ripped my heart out. And I'm trying to find comfort, I'm trying to find friends, and nobody's around. Nobody's around. So I remember sitting in my dorm room one Friday night, I'm, I'm looking in a mirror, and I asked myself this question, is your life really worth it? Family's messed up now, girlfriend dumped you, friends all doing their thing, you're, you're alone. Does your life really matter? And at that moment, I could honestly answer and say, no, it doesn't. And so I very quickly put together a plan on how I would take my life. Thought Friday night, college campus, a lot of parties going on. Nobody would suspect me coming into a party, drinking a bunch. So I drank a bunch in my dorm room, went out to a party, drank a bunch there. I had a spot picked out in an alley in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where I would lay down and where I would die. It was March. It's very cold in Wisconsin in March. And I did it. I left my dorm room that Friday night with every intention of not waking up that Saturday morning. And I did it. And I remember laying down behind a dumpster thinking, this is the last time that I will ever breathe a breath and passing out. Well, little did I know at 2 a.m., some guys were coming home from a bar. They saw me. They recognized me from the track team. They, they pulled me back to my dorm room and dumped me in my dorm room. And that's where I am that Saturday morning when the door, people come to the door. I answer the door. It's a guy named Jeremy and Lori Rush. They're a married couple. They had started a Bible study on our campus at our school about that, the beginning of that semester. And I went. I wasn't a Christian. I went because I thought it was the right thing to do. And he came up to me and he said, hey, brother, uh, do you believe in the Bible? And I said, No. And this is weird. I'm so sorry. This is really weird. 
your wife is really happy and you're really happy and it's just kind of weird to me. And he said, well, can we get coffee sometime? I thought, man, Christians are weird. This guy does not get it. I'm, I'm trying to be as nice as I can to tell him I don't want anything to do with what you guys are doing here. And I said, you know, it probably would be best if you just didn't talk to me ever again. Like, just leave me alone and we'll be fine. And he did for that whole semester, September all the way through March. And then they come to my dorm room door that Saturday morning. And I open the door and they're standing there and they said, hey, man, how, how you been? And I said, you want to know how I've been? I'm covered in blood. I'm covered in vomit. I tried to commit suicide last night. My family's all jacked up. My girlfriend left me. I have nothing to live for. And you guys are here now to talk to me about Jesus Christ in your holy huddle. I don't want anything to do with it. He said, no, that's not why we're here, man. He said, we really hadn't talked to you since back in September. But last night, Lori and I, we just were laying in bed and we just felt like we needed to pray for you. He goes, so we just, we just spent the night praying for you, man. And we're just coming by to see what's going on. There's a reason I didn't die in an alley. I think God had something more for me. I think my story wasn't done that night in an alley. I think God was about to do something more. And through a relationship with them and, and, and through them talking to me and just giving me a place that I could vent and, and be myself and come to terms with the stuff that was inside my life, inside and outside, I came to the Lord. I, I came to Jesus Christ. I, I got down on my knees in my bedroom. I prayed to receive Christ, and, and it was a new chapter. It was a new part of my story. See, your story will begin when you find yourself in God's story. I was living a story my whole life prior to that. It just really didn't have a meaning your life matters and your story matters. But when you find yourself in God's story, man, it becomes dynamic and God will use that to change the hearts and the lives of so many people. And here's what I came to realize. This is the biggest loser failure you could ever be. That if you want something new in your life, you gotta get, some, you gotta get rid of something old. There's a Bible verse I wanna show you guys. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'll never forget the first time I read this verse. Paul is talking to this group of Corinthian people who are messed up, they're jacked up, they, they've done everything wrong. And he's talking to them and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old has passed away. The old is, is gone. The old is gone. And for the first time in my life, I realized all that stuff I did and all that garbage and all those people I hurt and everything that was part of my life was gone. A new story had started. A new chapter had begun in my life. And God used that, not because of who I am, but because of who he is and because of what he is doing. Find your story in God's story, and I promise he will do something dynamic with it. Let me tell you something about you that you don't know yet. You're going to see a picture on the screen here. This is the Royal Gorge in Colorado. For a couple summers, I got to float down that river you see way at the bottom. I got to raft down that every Thursday. It's a great experience, okay, a great experience. Let me tell you something about the gorge. If we wanted to go to the gorge and change the way the water flowed, we wanted to change the rafting experience there, 
I suppose we could all go as a group, right? Half of us could get on one side, half could get on the other, and we could get some tarps and put them in the water and try to change the water, right, if we wanted to change the gorge. But what would happen when we moved the tarp? Everything would just go back to the way it was. What, what makes the water flow like it flows? It's not gravity. It's the rocks underneath the water. The water is the way it is because of what you can't see. You want to change the way that the water flows in the Royal Gorge, one of the biggest rivers and gorges around? you got to change what's under the water. you got to change what you can't see in order to, to have an effect on what you can see. And here's what I learned. People told me, man, you got to stop drinking, you got to stop smoking, you got to stop doing this, you got to stop doing this, you got to wear this, you can't wear that. And I tried that. I tried that. Just like most of you have. When you're going through a tough time, stop doing this, stop doing that. But what happens? Two or three weeks, you go back to doing the same thing, don't you? And you wonder, just like I did, am I ever going to change? Is this even worth it? But what does God do? In God's story, we see the main character, Jesus Christ, coming and dying for us. For each one of us, he died. He took our sin. He took our shame. He took our garbage. He took everything and said, if you just trust in me, you don't have to do anything. If you just trust in me, I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you freedom. I'll give you my righteousness. And so when you accept Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You accept Christ in your heart, and the inside changes. And as the inside changes, man, it's amazing what happens to the outside. Everything starts to change. Everything starts to look a little bit different. And so if you're here tonight, I'm gonna tell you, everybody here is living a story. You're all in a story. But your story, to become impactful, to become dynamic, needs to be found in God's story. And that starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of you here, you've been trying a bunch of different things and it's not worked. Tonight, I wanna to encourage you to take a chance on Christ. Speaking from somebody who has tried everything, who has tried every drug, every this, every that, every counselor, every that, everything. I'm telling you, there is nothing like the freedom I found in Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing. And it's amazing what God does when he takes your story and he uses it. You should see people's faces when they go, man, what are you doing, are you on parole? No, man, actually, I'm a pastor at a church. And they go, come on, you? I say, yeah, let me tell you my story, man. Let me tell you what Christ did for me. You have that same opportunity. Each one of you has that same opportunity. But you gotta find yourself in the story of God first. And there are some of you here tonight, some of you that might come every week who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You say, man, I come to church every Wednesday. And I think that's great. But coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to NRG Park doesn't make me J.J. Watt. You gotta have that relationship. Jesus died for you to give you that freedom. I would encourage you tonight not to leave without that. Find yourself in his story and then let him use your story as we go out to a world that needs some good news because there's a lot of people living around you just like me. 
They're wondering, is there anything worth it? Is there anything left? Is there anything to live for? How awesome would it be if people in this room could say, yes, absolutely there is. Let me tell you about it. But that starts with Christ first in your life.